ahead now, say now, you're tuned into the Wake Up and Win podcast, and I am your host, Devon Pouncey. We are here at the Momentum Studios in the city of Portland, Oregon. I got a special guest here in studio, but I will introduce him shortly. First, let's get to win shares, starting off with the weekend slate of DJing. And this is just down to a few weeks before you start to hear a little bit more transitioning in the sporting events. Obviously, this summer we've had a heavy slate of DJ gigs. Again, appreciate everybody that comes out and supports. There's still plenty more to support. We'll still be DJing as the sports season comes upon us. Obviously, college football in particular for me. Um, but... Let's start where we are here now. Lulu Fridays, catch us there tonight as this episode is released on Friday, um, 10 p.m. The late. Good Neo Soul R&B vibes. It's been great up there as of late. Appreciate everybody that's been pulling up there. Um, Saturday, which will be the 12th, August 12th, I am back at Export Rooftop Bar and Lounge. I know it's been a while since y'all have heard me um say that i'm gigging there because it's been about a month and a half since i last spun up there and it, obviously it was a place that i frequented more than any other venue but you know things happen things change um but all have been for the good so no complaints on my end definitely glad and excited to be back on the rooftop this saturday downtown portland 16th floor the porter hotel it'll be from 9 p.m to midnight so you can pull up there bring a vibe catch a vibe I'll spin the vibes and it'll be a vibe. And then Sunday, back at Bible Club, Sunday evening, Sunday evening for Pounce's Playground. It'll be 6.30 p.m. to usually about 10, 10.30, um, just depending on how it goes. Sometimes we, we go beyond 10 o'clock, but let's just say 10 o'clock here to stay safe. Make sure you get here prior to that if you want to make sure you catch a good portion of the set. Um, so plenty for y'all to come out to. Hear me spin. Again, excited that. A few weeks from now, we'll be able to pivot a little bit and start uh, announcing some college football games. Obviously, Pacific football, I'll be on the call for them. So you should go and check their schedule if you're here locally and want to go out and check out some of the Pacific games. But also, you can check the schedule to see which days I will be on the call for them as I call all of their home games back at the alma mater. But now, we got a special guest here in the building uh, he's family, really, and uh, he's also a Portland State University alum, and even more proudly, he does a little bit of what we do around here. He talks sports, he covers sports, he's a sports anchor and reporter at KBAK TV news station in Bakersfield, California. My man, my family member, none other than the... Miles Boynes, man. Glad to have you here in studio. Thank you. Glad to be here. Yeah, so what you doing out here, man? Obviously, we know we know you, you know, planted seeds here. You're a Portland State alum, but you've been in California and Bakersfield covering sports out there, um, you know, doing TV out there, which is super dope. But what made you come back this way, man? Did you miss it? <laughs> I did miss it a little bit. I just wanted to go take a vacation. You know, it's hot in Bakersfield. So, yeah, yeah. You know, the football scene is wild out there. It's really busy. It's really crazy. But I love it. But before the madness, I had to take a little vacation. Take so. a little vacation. Yeah. Come chill out, huh? Yeah, yeah. Well, we'll get into all kind of stuff. But I just want to hear what it's been like for you. Obviously, you know, you attended Portland State University. You you majored in communications there. Um, and I remember back when you were at Portland State when I was doing radio over with Justin, who, by the way, I should have announced in the wind shares, 
Justin and I, well, Justin has his show on Rip City Mornings now, which is the iHeart Sports Station, the home of the Trailblazers. And I go on Justin's show every Tuesday at 8 a.m. I go in live in the studio with Justin. We kick it. We hang out. We talk hoops, of course. Definitely a lot of Blazer talk being at there, the Blazer station. So, y'all, if y'all want to tune in to me on 620, I'm there every Tuesday from 8 a.m. to 9 a.m. on the last hour of that show. But as for you, I think this might even been the last time I seen you in person, obviously, was you were finishing up your communications degree at Portland State. You were coming and you were, like, shadowing over at when we were back at 750 the game. And now look at you, man. You're in the biz, man. How's it feel? What's it been like for you so far? Uh, it's definitely been a journey, man. Like like I said, yeah, that was the last time. I think it was like October 2017, and I graduated December. And yep. just, just trying to figure everything out. And the thing about the biz is that it's not easy to get a job. Like, you have to really put yourself out there. You're going to hear no a lot. And one thing I realized is that I had a demo reel because I used to intern at Coin6. Right. And I didn't realize people couldn't open it because it wasn't on YouTube. So it was just uh, on a link. And so I'm applying for jobs for months. <laughs> and then I'm, um, I hit up one of my friends and I'm like, yo, can you check out my reel? I'm not really getting anywhere with this and she's like i can't open it and i'm like you mean to tell me i've been applying wow. for jobs for six months and nobody <laughs> has been able to open it yeah so they just going right by you yeah exactly yeah so, um yeah i got a first i after i graduated i started at lewis and clark just like free like free sports reporting just voluntarily yeah just trying to keep my skills uh fresh and i was open to doing print or tv i knew eventually i wanted to get into tv so i just right didn't know i was like regardless i just got to get in the business for like, sure post portland state so i did that for a few months and then i moved and then i got a call from a station in wyoming mm -hmm. and so i li I was literally in arizona for three weeks because my lease was up here and i'm like all right i'm gonna move back home figure things out and then i got a job offer in wyoming they're like can you be out here in three weeks and i'm like i guess that's yeah that's all the time i get so literally just moved all my stuff like, had a pit stop in Arizona and then just had no money, was sleeping on a futon, had yeah. no blankets or anything. <laughs> like, I slept in my sweatshirt because it was in the winter. Yeah. And so in Arizona, everybody, most people know it's real hot. So I went from 90 degree to 30 degree weather Woo! in the blink of an eye. And so I am had a cold Sheesh. for three months straight. Yeah, yeah. And so that was definitely an experience being in Wyoming for two years because... Super small town, 60,000 people. Um, you know, people are like, you know, the mayor. I was able to, like, interview her almost every week. And yeah. my friends are like, oh, like, you're able to interview the mayor? And I'm like, yeah, it's not, like, that hard, like, to me, I guess. For sure. Because they're used, used to Arizona, so it's, like, a little harder, but... Bigger just, market. Yeah, yeah, much bigger market. And so it was just learned a lot about the business, like, the good stuff, the bad stuff, and... Speak more to that, because I can even learn from your experience. I, I had a little bit of a different experience coming into the biz because I got my start in a top 25 market, being here in Portland. Obviously, I've been here since I've been in the industry, but I don't know what it's like to go to some small town in some random state in the middle of nowhere, 60,000 people. Um, but that's kind of a, a common theme that you hear amongst many journalists, many people that work in media and television that... You kind of got to start small to to 
ultimately grow and expand and you kind of got to be willing to go anywhere. But again, for me, even I never had that experience. I know you even were just talking to me off the air about how you're getting ready for high school football and how big of a deal that is in Bakersfield. I never had to cover high school sports. I was able to kind of jump straight into college, obviously, when I was at 750 the game. We were the home of the Ducks. I'm covering professionally. I was covering the Blazers. Still get to do that stuff. And even now as a broadcaster, I do more college stuff. But what is it like starting in those small towns and, like, how significant has that been or was that experience for you as you continue to go on about your journey now you're in California and Bakersfield and obviously I'm sure you got ambitions to continue to grow to go and grow ultimately right so starting in the small towns you learn so much because they want you to learn how to do everything mm. and so that comes to produce like I wanted to do sports but I started out as a news MMJ I was just like look as long as I just need to get in the business. Right. But as long as I get a chance to do sports. Yeah. Like, I just made that clear. So started out news and finding, like, pitching stories, being able, getting in contact with, like, Greater Chamber of Commerce, Downtown right. Development Authority, you know, learning these politicians and learning a little bit about the history. So it's definitely a lot of learning that you have to do. But it's also cool because – you're able, once you get comfortable, you're able to help people out. And that's what I like. That's what I take pride in, being able to try to be a leader. And if somebody's asking me a question about something, I'm able to help them out. So I never knew, imagined I was going to have to produce a whole show by myself and anchor that show. Right. Or like even there was one time where I was, the, it was on a weekend and the anchor and the weather person they wanted to do a live show because it was a parade in Cheyenne yeah but our live connection wasn't working and so they just like all right well my they let me know eight minutes before a show they're like Woo! miles you're gonna have to be the anchor and I'm like I <laughs> I'm like, so like one of the things is my mentor um shout out to David Solano he used to work at coin um he helped me get that internship it's not what will go wrong, it's when it will when it will go wrong. Mm. And so you just have to expect the worst, hope for the best, always be prepared. Like even though I'm a sports guy, I kind of get to get, get away with at least the Bakersfield station lets me, you know, come in with, you know, my running pants and sometimes I'll wear jerseys, but yeah, yeah, I, also, yeah. I also bring my suit just in case. Right. So because there, right. there have been times where the sports director called out sick. They're like, Miles, we need to an anchor. And I'm like, obviously, I'm not going to anchor while wearing a Kobe jersey For or sure. a Curry jersey. For sure. The, F the FCC won't like that. But right. It's just always being ready um, and just being able to learn stuff and, you know, having to deal with certain management. You're going to have to face against different personalities. You know, obviously, TV, people are going to have – egos yeah yeah <laughs> i'm just somebody who's like look i'm just here to learn i'm here to do my job right I'm not i'm not better than anybody i i want people to be them best selves and be able to you know fulfill their dreams so it's like i don't need to have an ego i'm just now there's like one thing i haven't done is i've never done a weather forecast and i'm trying to stay away from that okay so it's like other than that like i've anchored i've done news reporting i've done sports been a sports director, you know, just 
every literally everything except like in the production booth or um a weather forecaster. I, I think it's interesting. How how important is it that you have diversified your portfolio in terms of like what you've covered? Cause in my own right, again, I, I've I've taken a little bit probably less of a traditional route than you have in the media space, but still I do everything in my power to diversify my portfolio. Obviously, I got a sports background when it comes to journalism. I got a pretty heavy and intense political background now with journalism. I even do like music and pop culture stuff. Um, but for you, like, how important has it been that you've been able to kind of hone in on all of these different positions from producer to anchor, but also be able to cover so many ranging topics from news topics all the way into sports topics as well. It's important because you don't, they can rely on you if you have that background and you don't want to be, you know, something, anything could happen and you don't want to be a deer in the headlights. Right. You know, I've had to cover, you know, somebody called out and I had to cover elections. And mm. besides like an audio malfunction on my AirPod when I was live, my AirPod went dead. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so like literally, they cued to me and I didn't know I was going live and I was just like a deer in the headlights on live television. I'm like, oh, we're live? And yeah. Then, yeah. I'm like, luckily I wasn't like picking my nose or anything. I don't do that anyway. But, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it, like, it was just like, I was able to kind of catch myself, but like I had, it was like those first 15 seconds. It was so embarrassing. I just laugh at it now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was so embarrassing, but it's like knowing, like being able to do research on certain things. Like if I'm covering politics, got to do deeper research in that topic than like sports where I kind of know naturally. Right. And so just being able to help out as well, because you never know when somebody has an emergency or some breaking news happens where you're not complete deer in the headlights. And it makes you more valuable because man you'll get on management's good side. Yeah. That way they'll vouch for you if you're trying to get a new job or even a raise. And so they kind of, factored that all that in stuff they're like oh this guy was able not only just to do sports but to anchor cover politics you know did election night and you know just being able to help people out and so that's i guess my goal yeah and i listened to your guys i listened to the podcast last week when you were saying that's kind of the direction the sports is going yeah in any way like you know you doing street roots as well as you know, the political nature and, you know, we were talking about Stephen A, his podcast ain't really sports related. And right. That's just their direction of sports because a lot of people say the sports journalism is dying. And especially in the news industry, because there's a lot there's been a lot of layoffs and a lot of stations have gotten rid of yeah. their sports section. And so if you don't know how to do anything else. It's going to be a very rough learning if you're already in a medium size or big market mm -hmm. or um, if you don't have that small market experience in terms of, you know, being able to cover everything. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, let's let's stick with that. Just the landscape of sports journalism from your experience, what you see on a mainstream level, um, but also what you're experiencing on more of a local level as well. Um, how do you feel about the landscape of sports. Are you comfortable with some of the trends and changes that you're starting to see? Um, does it make you nervous and worried about where it is that you stand in this industry? Or do you feel like you've sort of built enough 
muscle in other areas of news and, and media in particular, um, or at large, I should say, to where you feel comfortable being, being able to make whatever pivot is needed, regardless of what happens within the sports landscape, sports I, media landscape. I think I'm comfortable enough to make the pivot that's needed. However, my passion is sports. And right. so I don't, because I did more news in Wyoming, and now I do just more sports, so I don't want to go back to doing more news. Uh-huh. So that part makes me a little nervous at times. But, um, yeah, like, I think there's a station out there that's, like, had a, is having layoffs in October, and, like, their sports department is gone. So yeah. that, that was making me a little nervous because just the layoffs are so common now. Yeah. And so... It's a matter of like, and there's obviously I have other interests other than sports. Like, mm-hmm. you know, I love I love listening to music, and you know, one thing I want to do is just like I don't know how I want to do it, but like being able to interview musicians and right, not even like so called interviewing them, but just like have a conversation with them, right? Like, you know, just getting to know them as the person, and you know, not not like ask them the typical questions that they always been that they're always asked and so just trying to get to know people and like music is another i wouldn't say passion per se but i really like music it's an interest it, yeah it's, it's an, an interest. interest for sure yeah, yeah no, I'm, not, I'm not a savant like you so i mean I I, i'm not even <laughs> a savant you know what i'm saying but but i will say like it was an interest for me as well and and as i started djing and as i'm still djing and still doing the journalism thing like it's become another avenue that i can lean on and with my journalism background i know and understand that hey if i can continue to get better djing if i do want to go into whatever kind of broadcasting form from a music standpoint i could do that because i got the journalism chops but i also can go spin it if i need to go spin it as well um but but even with that man i just think with as we speak about these landscapes changing because i get it we we both grew up you know sports was our world growing up and coming up and like as much as I love sports, as much as sports has been a part of my life and as much as, you know, I don't know life without sports or being a part of sports from growing up, you know, with an older brother playing, with a dad who's coaching and president of all the local leagues to becoming old enough to play and participate myself through college. And then as soon as I graduate college, a short turnaround as I go into sports media and sports journalism and covering it, it's like as the landscape continues to change, what gives me comfort is that I'm doing the work and I'm doing work around topics and subjects that I'm interested in. So whether it be sports, whether it be politics, which I've you know gained an interest in as well, even if it's music and pop culture, while, yeah, I don't want to see the landscape change and it'd be harder for me to be able to get a job in these particular fields, me knowing that I love and have interest in all of these three worlds gives me comfort in knowing that I'm going to be willing to play the long game any anyway, regardless of what happens with the general landscape of said industry. And so, you know, for me, it's just more so like, hey, I'm going to jump into music because I love music. And regardless of what happens in, in music media or in pop culture media or because I love sports and sports media or political media, I feel like I'm always going to outlast the changing of the landscapes because my love and my interest for it is there. And it's not just something that's just 
looks cool to me. It's something that I really have an interest in. So I just feel like my willingness to play the long game because my love and interest for these particular subjects is going to outlast whatever the direction the industries go. So so for me, it's just like, man, just I'm playing the long game, regardless what happens. If if everything dies down and shuts down, I still got my own independent platform, even with this podcast. And I've been in that position before. I've been in a situation of being laid off from radio, not knowing what was going to happen next. And all I had was this podcast and the podcast kept me going until I was able to land on my feet with another job and another gig. And, and the gigs just continue to sort of build and pile on each other. So now nah, I think it's dope, man. Like I said, diversifying the portfolio is, is a big deal in all of this. I do want to ask you, cause you're what, what's your exact age now? Uh, I turn 28 tomorrow. You turn 28 tomorrow. 28, 28 so on a, Friday. So this is a birthday trip as well. So today, as they listen yeah, today, to this, so yeah. happy birthday. <laughs> Thank yeah. you. Shout Appreciate out to Miles. You. We're giving him a big happy birthday. This is his birthday episode. Um, I do want to ask you, though, just like with your identity, being a young African-American male in a space where I'm sure there's not a lot of colleagues that look like you. In some of the rooms that you've been in, whether it be in Wyoming or Bakersfield, Wyoming or Bakersfield, you can let me know if I'm wrong. But how's it been for you from that standpoint, you know, being at your age as a young African-American male, being a young black man in a space that we don't often frequent and being able to make space for yourself in all of this? Well, it's definitely been an adjustment because when I first got to Wyoming, I was the only african-american in that station at the time so it was yeah. like a solid eight months so on a personal level it was a little hard to relate to some people like some people were definitely nice but you definitely you know let's call a spade a spade here wyoming is very very red and very conservative for sure and so you definitely get that vibe from some people not everybody but from some people and get that vibe in the workplace and i was just like I don't appreciate it. And then obviously I just, I'm just trying to focus enough to do my job. Mm -hmm. And that's like number one, like, yeah, I like to get to know people. I like to joke around and stuff. But when it comes to work, I'm very serious about that. Yeah. You dialed in. So then we think it was like eight months in, like got two more um, African-American reporters and, you know, me and them, I got along, obviously. We would hang out outside of work, too. But we would always talk about it. And um, we, I think it was after the George Floyd situation, we all three talked about it on air. And just speaking of, and I don't know how many people it reached, but I know it reached some people. And just speaking on, um, you know, why, why racism isn't okay and... Just we were asked, do we do we witness this or do we go through this while working in Wyoming? We were like, yeah, we do. Like there yeah. have been cities where I've gone out to eat where everybody's just staring at me. And so <laughs> that's crazy. like obviously I'm just going to p- not pay attention to eat my food. But I'm going to be like, yo, what the heck are you looking at? Like, but I don't want to do that either. But um, it's just it's definitely an adjustment and it's definitely like if you're in the business and that's pretty much every business, but it's definitely a factor. Like I wish it wasn't, but that's just not how it is. Just try to focus on yourself, focus on your work and just be professional. And at least for me, for me, for the most part, it wasn't stuff 
like work related. There were some things that were work related. Like there'd be some officials I'd reach out to. They wouldn't reach back to me, like yeah. take hours. And I'm like, I'm on a deadline. Like, and then like if somebody with blonde hair and blue eyes reached out to them, they'd reach out back to them right away. Immediately, yeah. Yeah, and I'm yeah. just like, look, you don't gotta like me, but like I'm doing the same job that they're doing. Like right. That. So that part like bothered me a little bit. And it was more so Wyoming than Bakersfield, because Bakersfield is conservative too. I know even though California is blue overall. Yeah. But Kern County is more conservative. But there's definitely you can definitely like feel that vibe sometimes. And I just wish it didn't exist, but fortunately, like that's just not how the world is. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. so we just have to teach that. And so and my mentor, like, again, he was a great he's a great mentor. I still talk to him. Um, he told me that. He's like, Yeah, it's He's like, you're going to have to go through this, like, if you're in this business. And and part of, like, most of me knew he was right, but there's a little part of me, I'm like, I'm hoping you're wrong. But, yeah. And so some people are surprised about it. And then, like, you know, there are certain situations where I'm just like, I'm not surprised. Like, yeah. luckily I have a mentor who's of color, too. He's he's African-American. And he, t- he told me. So he was just, like, helping me out, just giving me those stepping stones and just saying, nah, like, that's not okay. Obviously, stand up for yourself, but obviously, be a, stand up for yourself professionally, and which is what I do, which is what I've done. Like I don't, you know, yell at anybody. Yeah, you don't let your yeah. emotions supersede your intelligence. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, 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 yeah. And some people, like even when I would just stand up for myself, they'd be like, "Oh, he has a bad attitude," and I'm like. I'm not yelling. I'm not calling you names. Yeah. I'm not being disrespectful. Maybe you're just, just fragile. Yeah. I'm just like, it is <laughs> what it is. Like, yeah, yeah, so, yeah, yeah. I'm just like, when I heard the bad attitude, I'm like, yeah, I know what this is about. Oh, yeah, so. yeah. I, I want to ask you this, because you mentioned something, and for me, it was a very like pivotal time and turning point in my own individual career. And I feel like, for one, I don't get the chance to talk to other media professionals that I can identify with that's in, you know, a, a reasonable age, age range. Obviously, you turning 28 here. I'm 30 right now. Um, we're both young black men. I'm usually just not. There's just, it's, we're limited in this space. Um, but you mentioned the George Floyd time period when the the, the uprisings and, and everything was going on, you know, back in 2020. And I think that was like, a pivotal time for me and my career as well, individually, as I began to make a whole lot more appearances. Um, obviously, I, I feel like I started being looked at a little bit differently um, within the work and for the work that it is that I do. Um, but what did that moment in time mean for you as a young professional in this space? Did it turn you off to some of the work that you were doing? Or did it kind of in some ways like open up more opportunities and and although it was a difficult time for us as African Americans here in this country and around the world um did you kind of like just more so lean into your identity within your work during that time period as well because it was really necessary quite frankly yeah because i would say i leaned into it more because usually you know i try to keep everything sports and then i just Usually, you know, obviously I'll obviously have an opinion, but I usually don't speak out on those things. But I just saw I went to like a city, not city council meeting, but there was a meeting to the public where the police officers were talking to the public and saying, like, 
you know, giving the perspective on the situation. They're like, this is open to the public. This is for the public to ask any questions or state any concerns about law enforcement in America and how it treats its colored people. And once I saw how that impacted, and I just like, I was just there with my camera and stuff, like covering it as a journalist. And once I saw how that impacted people, like just seeing the emotions and the frustrations. Yeah. That's when I kind of, that was a pivot moment. And I was just like, because one of the journalists, she wanted to like interview, you know, me and the two other black people at the station and like put it on TV and like just speaking on, you know, racism in America, you know, piggybacking on the George Floyd situation. And I was just like, for some reason, I was just a little hesitant about it. And then once I saw how it impacted people, then I was just like, all right, I got to say something because, you know, I am of color. That could happen to me. That could happen to my loved yeah, ones, yeah, my, my loved people ones. that are yeah. closest so to me. It's, yeah. just, it's just a touchy subject. And usually when I'm not an expert on a touchy subject and I, it's not my, you know, job, contracted job to do that, then I would kind of like, okay, like, yeah, back off. I would ju- yeah, but then I was just like, at that something, I was like, I need to say something. And it was emotional. Like, I, I was like, I fought back tears when I'm talking about it on camera. And so it was, um, that was definitely a pivotal moment. And I'm just, um, you know, in putting perspective into like, you know, like the racism, certain things that I was going through in Wyoming and me and my other coworkers and you know we just had people coming up to us and being like i had no idea that you guys feel this way and that this is what you guys go through like yeah just i'm here for you guys and it it just opened up like perspectives and it's just like all right here's our perspective you know as people in of color like this is what we worry about every time we step out of the house right and so i think you know, obviously not everybody's going to understand that, but when you have people, you know, not even all people in power just think about it, uh, just speak about that stuff, then it can really open up perspectives in other people's minds. And so I think that George Floyd was definitely a pivot. And I'm just like, yo, this is what we go through. And I learned some stuff about my other coworkers. They didn't, I didn't know they went through certain things and stuff like that and so I was just like yeah and this is what I go through like as a kid you know people call me a Oreo because I don't talk a certain way as they expect me to and yeah. I just I'm like look I take that as the most disrespect ever like you're yeah. disrespecting my family more than anything like right. my parents did all they could to give the best life that me and my brothers could have and right. that's that's what I said and like people don't obviously think about that deeply when they're yeah, you know, jokingly insulting somebody, but it's for like, sure, yo, like it is. And I know if it's anybody yeah. that know, I know, baby. Yeah, just because you're in Arizona, them root, them roots is in Oakland, man. Yeah, exactly. You know what I mean? They might not know that out there in Arizona, but I know where you come from mm-hmm. for real. So yeah, no, I, I can see that, man. I get it, and I can see that. And like I said, even for me, it was just like that time period. It was crazy because I actually was starting to like look into leaving this market during that time period. Like, at least, you know, leading up to that time period, I should say. Like, late 2019, going into 2020, I started, like, you know, starting to see, you know, what it is that I want to potentially do beyond Portland. Again, I got my start here in Portland. And then it was crazy because I had been doing so much work with Street Roots, 
Um, I had been a part of doing advocacy work with the organization, and a lot of it was like anti-police work. And we had helped with, you know, being able to start and create and launch Portland Street Response, which was like this alternative first response model. And just all of this stuff was happening. So then the uprisings come around, and you got this like defund the police movement that's happening. But as you have this defund the police movement that's happening, you got people that are on the other end of the political aisle that are like, well, if you're going to defund the police, like what are you going to do with those particular funds? And one of the few models that started to get like a lot, gain a lot of publicity was Portland street response, which is again, something that I, I was a part of advocating for within the work that I do at street roots in our organization. And so from there, it turned from like, oh, Portland can kind of be a model for how you can defund the police and reallocate those funds to an alternative first response model like Portland Street Response. And it went from a model that only like had a half a million dollars funding to $4.8 million funding, like all because of those uprisings at that time. And with me again, being a young black advocate for a model like that, having got had already been in the news and, and been a part of a bunch of advocacy work to help create and bring this model to life here in Portland. I mean, I just locally from locally to internationally, I just started getting hit up left and right. You know what I'm saying? Just to make appearances, to talk about this alternative first response model, obviously to speak about my experiences as well as an African-American similar to you, you know, I went, I host my jobs podcast. So I went on there and did an episode kind of just talking about my thoughts and feelings about what was going on and, and, and how I was feeling as a young black man during that time period. But it was like, things just started to open up more. Portland obviously was like getting more coverage than I've ever seen for anything with the uprisings that went on here for upwards of a hundred consecutive days. And so Portland just kind of had this spotlight during that time period. And me being in this market and having been and done so much work in this market, it was almost better for me from a professional standpoint, at least that I didn't leave and that I did stay here because I could have never imagined that Portland was going to be getting so much mainstream coverage whether it was for better or for worse, as it did during that time period. And there wasn't many journalists, especially, that identify with me, you know, from a, a as just being a young black male, um, age and race-wise. And so I just started making a whole lot more appearances and, like, my portfolio kind of, like, skyrocketed yeah. <laughs> from a professional level during that time. And it was like... That wasn't my intent, and I hate that it took for some things as tragic as George Floyd and Breonna Taylor and so on and so forth for us to get to this point, but it just kind of happened that way. So, like, in hindsight now, it's like, damn, that shit still sucks that we're dealing with these kind of things still to present day, but, like, my voice became, I feel like, much bigger during that time period, and I've tried not to look back at least since then, but it, it's it's something that we just don't get to talk about too often amongst each other 
um, being in a space where we're the ones that's always doing the interviewing, we're the ones that's always covering everybody else, but us kind of being put in a spot in a position to where we're starting to make more appearances. We're being asked to speak out, you know, for whatever, you know, for your station in particular at the time, they wanted you to speak out about your experience as a young black journalist. And it just was like, it was a, it was an interesting time period that I feel like a lot of us went through that even still we don't reflect on the way that we should because you know it just was what it was and there's always more to do you know what i'm saying but i think that was an important time for young black journalists to really kind of find their voice in in a different kind of a way that maybe was different from what it is that you used to covering and then also like i said now in hindsight reflecting on that like damn yeah <laughs> you know what i'm saying like, <laughs> like i never expected to be in putting some of those positions the way that i was at that time yeah. So, so it was wild. Yeah, it definitely was. And always trying to find a solution is like my, like the biggest thing. And like, it's not easy, obviously. No, for sure. We haven't, like, it's been, this has been going on for years. It's not new. And there hasn't been a solution. Like, there'd be s slow periods. There's periods where, you know, you don't see the coverage because not everything gets covered. And, just trying to find a solution. And so speaking out on like, Hey, like this is what we have to deal with when we leave the door. And we're just, we're just trying to go on about our day. We're That's not trying it. to bother anybody. <laughs> right. Like you going out of your way to make sure that we're not okay. That's actually doing damage for yourself as well. Cause how can it not? Like I'm not a scientist or anything, but that can't be healthy for the brain. That can't be healthy for your stress levels. Like, all right, let's say somebody is like walking across the street and their shoes aren't matching or something like that. Like, why do I care with all due respect? I'm yeah. Just, I'm like, all right, let them do them. It's yeah. Just, just the same thing. It's like, yo, let so-and-so do so-and-so. Like, if they're not bothering you or anybody else or the natural public, they're just going out, mind their own business, then let people mind their own business. Yeah, And for just sure. like life would be so much easier not only for them, but for you too as well. Definitely, so. definitely. I got a question for you, a little bit of a pivot here, but I was actually posed this question yesterday, but it's something that, although I didn't know I was going to be asked this question, I was kind of prepared for it because I've talked about it a lot here on this podcast. Um, but I want to kind of pose the question to you now, and a lot of it is going back to sort of the sports media landscape, and at least on a mainstream and a more professional level we're starting to see we can use basketball for this particular example but we're starting to see the athletes become a, a part of the media fold the active athletes it used to be okay once you're done playing you jump into the media game but now we're seeing the Draymond Greens and the Paul Georges and you know the CJ McCullums the list goes on for like these active players that now have podcasts and media platforms um what is your thought on sort of like the new media versus old media back and forth that at least I know Draymond Green in particular was like very, very vocal about? So I first and foremost support like the athletes having their own podcast and platform because like they give a different perspective that they're not always talking about on like camera and interviews. Yeah. So they're just like their podcast is like get to talk about pretty much whatever they want. You know, you get to hear locker room stories and stuff like that. Like, you know, 
Jeff Teague is hilarious. Jeff like, Teague is going crazy is, right now with the hilarious. clips, yo. <laughs> yeah, so it's just like, in terms of like new media versus old media, I mean, I understand what athletes are saying. It's like, oh, you never played the sport. And yeah. that's always made me nervous because it's like, they're not wrong. And so athletes, they can, if they really want to, they can talk about the sport better than a lot of you know, the media members. And it's yeah. just like, I love what I do. And so certain, certain sports, like certain positions, like local TV, you're just there to give the facts. Right. Um, in terms of like networks, depending on the show, debate shows, you're there to give your opinion. Right. And so with athletes standing up for themselves, I get it. Like I understand, I would understand like if, you know, like, there have been people who have been like, oh, like, when I first played football, they were judging me. I'm like, you never played, so how are you going to tell me how to play? So I definitely understand. But at the same time, like, it's – you obviously have to be – get have certain credentials to get to a certain level. And, you know, your resume has to speak for itself. It's a matter of people who watch the game yeah. versus people who study the game. Mm. And, like, I know – um Mina Kimes, like, she always gets, like, slack on Twitter because she's a woman talking about football. But you can just basically tell, like, she studies it. Absolutely. She studies the game. Agreed so, wholeheartedly. And, like, I just love how she carries herself because she's just, you know, she's used to it. And, like, she embraces it. But, like, you can just tell how she speaks about it. She studies the game. And so I'm just like, she's credible to me. Yeah. Because there's a, like I said, there's a difference between watching and studying the game and Obviously, I believe she started out in politics, too, I want to say. Mm -hmm. But um, so it's just definitely I definitely get it. I do love the quote unquote new media's perspective be in terms of like the perspective they're able to give right from themselves, because that's not a perspective like I'm not in the locker rooms 24 seven. I'm not at every practice for two or three hours before practice or after practice. Like they're all that and they're doing that stuff but it's definitely like does make me it has made me nervous at times in terms of like a lot of these athletes are getting these reporter jobs and yeah <laughs> like, it's like I, I get it but it's like sometimes it makes me a little nervous and i'm just like i'm gonna still do what i need to do and yeah. i'm like if i lose if i if a station or a network decides to hire a former athlete rather than me then props to him props to him so. absolutely no nah, no nah, i feel that like i said i i more so look at it as being a healthy balance like i think both sides are are extreme i i used the word i think flawed yesterday and there are some flaws that i that i do believe um are on both sides like especially in terms of like how they i guess report on on the sport as you mentioned like there are certain experiences that athletes that are active within the sport can speak to in ways that somebody that's just covering the sport just can't. But at the same time, there, there's, there's an interest level and there's protections that come with that from the athletes. If you look at basketball in particular, by way of the fraternity, I deal with it in my own life. You know what I'm saying? As somebody who's a traditionally trained journalist, but also, you know, I, I play ball through college and, and even still like, I have friends that are in the NBA right now that I'm really close with, and there's so much information that I'm privy to due to my relationship with them that I would never talk about or discuss or report on in my field of work. You know what I'm saying? Because 
I value those relationships and that fraternity, if you will, more so than I value just what it is that I do. You know what I'm saying? And so, like, I deal with that all the time. I mean, there's so many things and stories and rumors and stuff that I could report on that's like, if I did it, those relationships and 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 those sources that I have, I would never I would no longer have. You know what I'm saying? But I'm also able to have access to certain things that allows me and still can impact and influence the way that I cover stuff, even though I might not directly pinpoint, you know, the five W's to why it is that I'm reporting this the way that I am. Because I don't want to lose out on that relationship and I don't want to lose out on sort of that feel of that fraternity that I do indeed understand from my own experience as well. Um, But with that said, as a journalist, like I also understand as a journalist, you need to be investigative. You want to find out all the facts. You want to be as well informed as possible. And sometimes you've got to be the one to ask the tough questions even if the subject matter is is made uncomfortable by those questions to be able to get to the bottom of certain things. Like with Draymond, for example, like I think Draymond's a great podcaster. I can understand why so many people like Draymond's podcast because he's a brilliant mind. I can just watch the game and tell you how brilliant of a mind and can tell that he's a brilliant mind when it comes to playing the game. But at the same time, I'm more interested in Draymond being a warrior as well and I don't feel like I get enough information out of Draymond as a warrior player as somebody who plays for the warrior and me as somebody that roots for that team because I know he has an interest to protect there whether it be a strategic interest based on like X's and O's on the floor uh, a financial interest obviously when him and Jordan Poole had the whole thing going on like Draymond's podcast just went away but He's got a contract that he's, you know, in, in reach to be able to get an extension for. And obviously the team camaraderie and just so on and so forth. So, like, I understand what takes priority and what takes precedence in his world. But for me as a consumer, I didn't really like that. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So it's like, yeah, I think it's a healthy balance, man. And I think, like, both can coexist but they're being made to like fight and clash. And it's like new media versus old media. And it's like, there's shitty ways of the old media as well. I mean, it's been for a long time. 80, 80% has been 80% of the coverage has come from white males. You know what I'm saying? So you're only going to get a pretty limited perspective in the mainstream media space. When everybody that's doing the covering all identifies as the same. And it's not a diverse range of people that are covering said sports. And so that's a flaw in the old media from the old media sense. So, um, you know, I just think it's a healthy balance between the two and trying to find like that, that median between the new media and the old media is a good way to, to try to pursue and to try to go because, Both can be extreme in their own right, but I think you need those extremes to be able to find that happy medium. And so um, that's kind of just my stance on it. But, yeah, no, it was a cool question posed. But we're going to wrap it up here, man. Any any last things you want to say? Anything, um, you know, where can folks follow you, tune into your work as you get prepared for it's, it's busy time again. Football yep. season's on the horizon, man. You get to get your last little celebrations out the way here and now as you're in Portland, and it's back to the grind. Yep. Uh, you guys follow me on Twitter at Miles underscore Boynes. That's M-Y-L-E-S underscore B-O-Y-N-S. And 
Yeah, it's just busy. Um, you know, obviously, I want to thank you for having me on today. For and, sure, man. Glad you, know, you popped in. We're definitely proud of you. Like you're. Got like ten, you got like 10 jobs. Yeah. Like, I don't know how he do it. Like, boy, got like yeah. 10 jobs. Like, I shuffle yeah, him for like, sure. I don't know how he do it, but it's just like, honestly, it's inspiring. Because it's Appreciate just, it. you got the podcast, you got Street Roots, you got DJs, you got all these gigs. And it's just like, I got one or two jobs. It's like, I need to get, I still feel I need to get my stuff together. And so <laughs> I just look at you as inspiration and, you know, you're doing your thing. And I really appreciate that. Appreciate it, man. Again, proud of, of what you're doing. You know, keep keep making space for yourself in this thing, man. Like, you know, you're doing you're doing TV as, as a young black man in this space. And everybody ain't able, man. But, but you making a way. So proud of you and appreciate you for coming through. On that note, we are going to leave y'all the only way that we know how. And that is to stay woke. And go, go win. win.